0: Well, hey, this is Josh with What's on Disney Plus, and I get to have a kind of a a special conversation here with my friend Gabriel. Uh, We've done this once before and kind of on the theme of Stories Matter, which uh, Gabriel has some expertise in that. He is uh, a a graduate of uh, Kennesaw State University. Gabriel,
1: tell us a little bit about your degree and and background, if you could. Sure. Um, My uh, graduate uh, studies uh, program was was American Studies, to be specific. So getting a master's of American studies, American studies deals with the very concept of America. It asks questions like, what does America mean? From its foundations historically to uh, the sociological meanings behind American culture, um, philosophical, uh, cultural studies. Um, and of course, you know, things in regards to education. And just to be clear, when I talk about what does America mean? It, some people, there may need to be uh, given a lot of clarity on that. So America includes the Americas, <laughs> not just the United States of America, but uh, all North, South and Central America. So that,
0: that is helpful. And so Gabriel is a historian and uh, is obviously often teaching, educating on these issues of, uh, you know, very broadly. Um, you know, I think certainly though, on issues of race representation, etc. cetera. And that was our, our earlier conversation. He's also a big comics fan and he knows this world of comics much better than I do. So we're going to be talking about a little bit about a couple different subjects. One is the new series, of course, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier deals with race issues and representation in a really interesting way. I've got my uh, Captain America mug here uh, (laughs) to, uh, you know, as, as, uh, you know, symbol. But that's a great, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a great jumping off point for us to start a good conversation as well. On the back end of this, we want to get into the film Soul. Of course, Pixar's latest and one that is up for several Academy Awards. Yeah, award season here we're in right now. And another film that deals heavily with these issues of race and representation. So, um, Gabriel, to start us off, um, you know, just to, you know, hey, jump into the story full force of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Who do you think the power broker is in, in this story?
1: There have been so many fan theories I've seen about it. I've seen people say it has to be Sharon Carter. And to be truthful, I'm, uh, I'm kind of leaning toward that right now. I wasn't originally, but you know, some things did dawn on me. Um, now in the comics the power broker is uh, is a male figure and uh, he has a very extensive history. I never really cared for him that much, but the way that Winter Soldier and Falcon has um, pivoted the show has had me intrigued. The reason why I think it's Sharon Carter is because there's no way she has access, though she's hiding out of major port. There's no way she has that much access to stuff without having some significant ties to people you know uh without going into spoiler territory I th- i'm assuming everyone here has watched the show i hope you have so with that being said um you know when they're having a fight between um <coughs> the people that want the super soldier serum and uh her people sam wilson bucky and the brilliance of Zeman, baron zemo baron zemo um she tells him that you know she wishes them well and hopes to get a ask you know Sam Wilson for a pardon. But then she tells her chauffeur we had a problem, a couple of problems, and gets in the car. One, well, but I was like, what's that about? Then they need satellites, um, and she just happens to have access to. I keep thinking this—you're a little bit too comfortable.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're a,
1: little, a little too comfortable.
0: There's a lot of clues there. I think you're right. That's definitely who I'm leaning towards as well. But we don't know. So we this is of course recorded here after episode four, five, and six are yet to come. So we'll see. And it's interesting how the first two episodes in the series really, I feel like, you know, uh, elevated and, and brought forward these issues of, of race and inclusion in a really direct way. I think, I guess really the first three episodes, I should say, um, because, uh, you know, there were some interesting scenes with his family in Louisiana. There was the, this applying for a loan, et cetera. Um, and then the next episode following that, couple of different scenes in there. Um, I thought an interesting thing that might actually be a preview maybe of the finale, where you had, uh, you know, uh, a young, you know, him, his interaction with the with the boy on the street, and that whole situation. I'm sure you found that intriguing, um, as well as uh, the the police interaction there too. What what have you thought about how they've kind of, uh, you know, brought forward these issues of of race and representation?
1: The uh, show has done the brilliant job of bringing the points forward. I will be uh, candid in saying. Uh, I've also had to brace myself for some of the critiques that have come up from people um, in regards to how the show has discussed uh, the intersections of, of of race and inclusion. I've seen people say, well, it was so stupid to have a show where, you know, you're talking about a superhero, unable to get alone. When I heard that, I said, the reason it's stupid to you is because you haven't lived this experience out in America, but, but for the vast majority of black Americans who have experienced denials <laughs> Um, loans, uh, it's a problem. I have friends who also worked in the realtor industry, they were black, and they noticed that they, um, even when they came to credit, they saw people of color being treated vastly different once uh, they were seen physically. And if you didn't know who they were and it was assumed to be white, you were given more opportunities for better, for, 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 um, celebration and, 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 um, having your word believed. So when I saw, uh, Sam Wilson and his sister struggling. I thought that's real. That's close to home. Um, not just it's not just storytelling at that point to say you can save the world and still be treated as a black man in America. Um, suspiciously, with the kids scene also where they um, he
0: he calls him. Uh, he's like, oh, it's the Black Falcon, you know. And he's like, it's just Falcon. Uh, <laughs> how did that strike you? What was what was uh, what was that a, a
1: commentary on? That was fun. That was I thought it was um, good uh, banter, you know. Because <laughs> there's, I I mean, I growing up in communities like that, you know, it's good to see people that still show a value for uh, connecting with the residents. It really is powerful when you just see everyday people going back and forth. Uh, I know there was a, an intention of wit in that sense to say, "Why does it have to be black falcon as opposed to the falcon?" Um, but I just thought it was to me it hit me differently because. Um, even him going back and forth with the kid reminded me of things that I grew up with, where you were trained to be witty as a form of self-defense,
0: mm. and really to awesome. be
1: able to be quick in your feet as a way to protect yourself.
0: See, the so, reason I think that calls forward the a potential something we're going to see in the finale, which I think this is all leading towards. Of course, the Falcon, you know, Sam Wilson taking on the shield. You know, it would seem that that's that's the natural course of things and you know i think some people are going to refer to him potentially as the black captain america and i you know i think they're trying to point that out to say you know there's no reason to add that modifier it doesn't you know that
1: yeah captain america he's not that's, and that's unfortunately i don't have the comic in front of me i just bought the comic as far as you know the physical copy of it uh the collect the the collector's volume uh the, the graphic novel for uh Captain America, when Sam Wilson took up the mantle. That came out in 2010. And I remember one of the critiques that people had, there were two different sides. One of the critiques said, you know, how can Captain America be black? And there were literally protests for people that kept up with the comic book industry. There were protests against having Captain America switch um, to becoming a black character. And this was during the the, reign, the tenure of President Obama. And so it hit me seeing the open bigotry from people that claim to love comics. It's a surprise because art has often been a way to either express awareness of racial reconciliation or to express bigotry. And uh, it's never just comic books or uh, storytelling. (laughs) There are people behind those, um, there are people behind the screen, there are people in the comic book shop that hide their views pretty strongly and will look for opportunities to express them. So with Sam Wilson saying, Uh, being said of uh, being spoken of in a negative way. I wasn't shocked um, in 2010, when people said, he's not our Captain America. The other side of it said, um, the other argument that people brought up was that uh, um, while people were protesting whether Captain America should even be black, there were others that said, so is this gonna be a long-term thing? Because if you make the new Captain America African-American, it can't just be temporary. For a year or so, and then you go back to Sam, to Steve, to Steve Rogers, because that defeats the entire purpose of whether or not we embrace change and that a black person can be permanently Captain America. Then it becomes, oh, he was just a black—he was a black Captain America for that season.
0: Right, right. That's a really—that's really intriguing. Well, you obviously, you know, have this knowledge of comics, and it is interesting that that was only ten years ago. I mean, I think sometimes there's a willingness to you know, among folks maybe who look like me, who have my background, which is conservative and uh, from Texas and middle of the country. But uh, you know, there's a willingness maybe to admit uh, historic racism and that of course slavery happened and we know that the, the civil rights movement, but sometimes there's not always a willingness to look at current day issues and how oftentimes there are racial dimensions to still current problems and uh, and concerns in our society. Um, one thing they did in that same episode was the, the, you know, the character of Isaiah Bradley was, uh, was introduced into it, which I know is and was a very exciting thing for many people. Obviously a character who showed up in the Truth comic book, uh, 2000, 2001 era. Um, did, uh, what did you think of that? And, and do you expect him perhaps to reappear in the next couple of episodes?
1: I'll be 100% um, real that it hit me pretty hard. Uh, number one, because I have veterans in my family. My grandfather uh, was a veteran uh, in World War II, uh, um, and uh, uh, we had other veterans in our family history who uh, were uh, uh, brutalized. They were, you know, t- they were lynched. And so, growing up with that knowledge of uh, elders in our family line who served our country and yet still experienced racial terrorism. Uh, Lynchings, by the way, don't just include, you know, having someone be murdered by hanging or a noose. It should be clear that lynchings also include, uh, or also include historically any form of violence uh, to exterminate a black person's life. It can be mob violence, it could be um, police (laughs) as it concerns, concerns, you know, um, cover-ups and uh, police brutality. That's what happened in our family line. But for veterans who have gone through this history, Isaiah Bradley was very relevant. When I saw Captain America Endgame and saw Steve Rogers hand the shield to Sam Wilson, I cried like many other black men in America. Not just because it was powerful to see a black man given the mantle and one who rode deep with Steve Rogers. It was powerful because we carry that legacy of awareness of how black soldiers and black veterans have been historically treated. So when it comes to Isaiah Bradley, um, to see a black Captain America who had been the wings for a long time, but experimented on, hit home. Some people don't want to talk about that history. It is what it is, though, and I don't make any apologies for that. You can go to the uh, lynching memorial in Montgomery, Alabama, uh, uh, the Legacy Museum, uh, National Memorial for Peace and Justice, where they talk about the history of racial terrorism and. They have several awesome books that talk about what black veterans went through. They talk about what happened to black veterans who had experimentations done upon them. Tuskegee, you know, being a very famous um, example of the Tuskegee Syphilis Project. Isaiah Bradley, uh, when I saw his story in the comics years ago, I remember watching Endgame and thinking, is ready to have a black Captain America. Don't just have Sam Wilson as the new Captain America. You need to discuss Isaiah Bradley. Because in the comics, I like where the show is going, but in the comics, actually, what happened is that after they made the serum for Steve Rogers, they could have it, And at the same, and not, not too long after they experimented on at least 300 black soldiers to try to replicate the serum that made Steve Rogers all, but 200, all but one out of 300, all but one survived the process. And that was Isaiah Bradley, who they then sent over to defeat Hitler. <laughs> and at one point, he wasn't supposed to go on the mission, but he saw how they were they were replicating super soldier, super, super soldier serum and weapons. He went over, beat the Nazis down and saved the day. And America repaid him by locking him away. In the comics he ends up getting, uh, because the serum he got was an experimental serum, Isaiah Bradley in the comics ended up suffering from um, brain damage and he couldn't be himself anymore. So for Black people reading what happened with this with storyline, it, it was very close to home. That's what with this one, I'm really hoping, please keep this version of Isaiah Bradley where he's disgruntled, he's been abused, but he still has his wits. <laughs> because we need to have these conversations. And I think America is ready to have these conversations as much as we have conversations of the Holocaust. We need to talk about what Black America has gone through. And it's not something that was only a long time ago, there are elders who have gone through this. So it's very relevant right now to talk about Isaiah Bradley. I'm so glad the show went there to bring his story to light and to really discuss practically that uh, black Americans and white Americans may watch the same movies and have different experiences. I know a lot of people, they love Captain America. They love Captain America. And they love talking about the legacy of American history and the revolution and freedom. But I know a lot of black Americans who say, I love freedom too. And I know that for being for my ancestors and my elders, we lived in two different Americas. Mm. And
0: it's interesting because really the character of John Walker, in a sense, he gives you that mirror uh, image in a sense of of Captain America, Steve Rogers, that we've, you know, that maybe that's, you know, sometimes a, uh, almost that image that maybe other people have seen that, uh, you know, that maybe uh, those of us who love American history are again, Maybe hold certain political views, et cetera, um, like to emphasize, oh, you know, the good of what occurred, but not always realizing that there were some difficult chapters as well. Um, did, do you now ex- do expect perhaps Isaiah Bradley to reappear, you think, in, at the, in the
1: finale? I'm hoping for it. Um, again, they brought him up. I was like, you can't just bring that point up and then say, oh, we'll leave it alone. Um, I think he will reappear, and I think that it's crucial for him to reappear um, because he literally. What I really appreciate about the show thus far is that Isaiah Bradley, to me, he brings up more reason for why Sam Wilson did not want to pick up that shield. And as a black American, I can say I understood it immediately when he was trying to tell Bucky, maybe this is something you and Steve can never understand, but can you admit that what I did, I did because I believe it was right. For him, seeing what happened to Isaiah Bradley, was a reflection of all the ways that America celebrated Captain America, but refused to acknowledge the experience of Americans who were black, who were Brown and fought for the country, but would never get the basic respect that they were deserving of. Mm. So because Isaiah Bradley is an illustration of Sam Wilson's frustrations and his pain, I think it would be sensible for them to bring it back at some point. I Absolutely. mean, even now you see how he was fighting for those who are watching the show, you see how he was fighting, over the fact that bucky was chiding him for not taking the shield and didn't even admit well there were there was a there was a black captain america and I didn't want to talk to you about it like, that's hypocrisy in the name of fighting for patriotism or fighting for f- ideals of freedom but that's part of the conversation we should be having with the complexities of america um am you know, I making sense of what i'm yeah, saying yeah right
0: yeah you know what i think about too um, what may happen in the finale like I I think about the first episode with roadie and what a prominent role that he had. It could be almost that Isaiah Bradley will be played out as almost a mirror image of roadie in, in, you know, and the, just as a a mentor mentor of sorts, a mentor figure, you know, but who has a very different mentality about how he's carrying himself and what he sees the you know, his role uh, in the system, you know, maybe not to go along with everything, but uh, in a sense, maybe buck against it to a degree. I, um, I wanna ask about episode four, which was so bold and the way it ended, especially that scene, a level of brutality in a sense we've never seen in the MCU. Um, and I, I know it could go a lot of directions in terms of how to comment on that. But I would say, particularly when you think about a scene that is being recorded on cell phone you know, of violence, I think you know the currency of that is is very clear. Uh, what what kind of imagery that they're trying to to to, to you know to bring into the show? Um, yeah. yeah. What is what is your thought on on that?
1: I was not. Ex- no, I'm not gonna lie, because <laughs> I've studied the comics. Um, that character, John Walker. Um, yeah, that's not my cap, <laughs> and. uh, um, I think what got my attention, you know, knowing the history of his character in the comics, um, what got my attention was that there's a difference between fighting for the greater good and fighting because the good you feel that uh, image will bring you. Everything about, excuse me, everything about John Walker in the show has been about himself. I want to do something and that suit makes me feel for the first time I'm doing something right not about whether or not you're doing it because America needs you to do certain things. It's not about walking in integrity, it's about his feelings. And throughout the series, he's been increasingly doing things demanding respect without earning respect just because he has a shield. So I was not surprised when he did exactly what he did in that act of brutality, because he's an image of, in my mind, patriotism that worships itself. He really thinks because he's a soldier and because he believes in freedom, he is without flaw. He doesn't realize that he has a danger in his attitude. And when he did what he did in the end, I, I was like, wow, y'all turns that shield for wow. Mm, literally, literally, of course. Episodes, but. but wow, here, here, here we are. And I thought the entire time, Sam, this is the shield is yours. The shield is yours. Take the mantle back. Because John Walker, in the series, reminded me of the danger of saying that you are worth celebration just because you say you're for the government. I think mean, that's what is. That's why when he did what he did, I said, "Yeah, you were government selected to replace someone that stood on principle, and even in grief, because he was a good man. He had restraint. He didn't seek out revenge. He even like if, if you remember in Civil War when he was fighting us." Uh, Tony um, Stark at one point he picked up his shield and he, re- he held himself back because he had character restraint that's Even right. while Bucky in the first Captain America movie he didn't seek out the death of, 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 of Hydra for his own sake he still had a level of restraint yep. this guy however feels that anything goes and he's inherently right and that's why I think it's going to be interesting to see where you go from here I, I do agree with others that have said It could potentially go in two directions one of which is maybe he realizes he was wrong and repents but the most likely direction number two this other direction is that he may even be sanctioned by the government that selected him that studied him that knew his profile and as we found out that knew he actually worked in afghanistan doing some very dark and dirty things (laughs) they may they may turn a blind eye because he's completely compliant to them and is willing to do what they want (laughs) Steve would have said no, I won't do that. But his character is blind loyalty and might makes right.
0: Yeah, it, it does seem like uh, they may very well be setting up something with General Thunderbolt Ross. You know, something that's going to play out in, in a future series, in a future movie, in terms of the Thunderbolts and, and, and whatever role that John Walker, U.S. agent, may play in that. So, you know, I think uh, it'll be intriguing to see where they take
1: it. I was mad when he, I, I was mad when I saw. I was like, bro, this. <laughs> You've been talking about you Captain America the whole time. Cap will never do that. This is no. why you can never, it was never about you. And he made it completely about him and his ego. Like having the shield means that I'm right. I'm like, no, it doesn't mean you're right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't. It's, it's such an opposite feeling really to all of the Avengers that, you know, I mean, back to 2012 Avengers or even before that, like you say, Captain America first Avenger, there's an aspect of humility, maybe of even awareness of like, I can fail. I have this power. But I've got, you know, it's the whole with great power comes great responsibility. Obviously, it's the Spider-Man, you know, classic line. I think they always feel like they have to prove that, you know, that they have to prove that they're worthy of, of actually holding that power and of being kind of mankind's protector. Um, you know, and we are, we're seeing none of that, of course, with, with John Walker.
1: Um, it, he's a good critique also for veterans, I think, because I, I thought that was interesting how he contrasted with Sam Wilson when it came to Sam Wilson being someone who deals with PTSD and grief counseling. So for Sam, he was willing to hear people out and to listen, not to rush in and to charge in guns blazing and basically have a shoot first, ask questions later mindset. John Walker, however, has been celebrated even though he was celebrated as a soldier, his, because of his work, he's been celebrated really for him doing whatever he's asked to do and the violent things he had to do, he felt he had to do to get stuff done, and that's a completely like that whole scene with Carly that bugged the mess out of me I was like he was literally talking to someone Sam Wilson was talking to Carly identifying with her struggle um, as a as, as a black man who, who who grew up with a sister who who and they both felt that their stories were not they weren't respected in America they were invisible he could grieve and empathize with Carly but walker just busted right in right in the process of conversation didn't even wait the full time for it (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then after that had the gall to come in and demand that sam and uh, bucky do whatever he wants And i was like no this is this is the danger of not recognizing the responsibility of power that comes with that, that comes with the symbol you have
0: yes you're absolutely right. Well, I, I think the series is bringing up a lot of interesting things. Maybe almost too much, frankly. I mean, it has a lot going on. We have two episodes left. I know we're all we're all excited to be watching what they do with it. So um, yeah, it's it's intriguing. I'm excited to see, and I do hope that they bring back Isaiah Bradley. And you know, don't just kind of you know, in a sense, some of those race and representation issues were really brought forward in the first few episodes, and then haven't seen much of that in the last couple. So we'll see if they circle back. I would assume so to kind of uh, bring us some closure on some of the themes that they've brought yeah. up, you know, and haven't really resolved. So
1: How are we going to honor Isaiah? You know? That's right, exactly. Are we going to acknowledge him finally or what? Because there's no Super <laughs> Soldier Serum without him, really. Uh, that's, exa- that's exactly right. Well,
0: yeah. um, wanted to take a turn here to talk about Soul, um, which I know I think both of us really enjoyed, um, you know, and is a film that, uh, you know, I I think will be studied for a long time, frankly, because I think that it it has a lot going on in it. It's, uh, you know, it's not a film for children at all. I think it really might be the first Pixar film that isn't really at all for kids almost, I think eight and under, or, you know, I know maybe there's some kids who probably enjoy the colors and, but it's just, there's a lot uh, that is a lot more mature to it. Um, And and I think, you know, we always know that Pixar brings a high degree of technical excellence in what they do. you know, than other studios, especially the visuals and the music, um, I think that, that we often see that they have a higher degree of emotional intelligence as well in their, in their films. You know, it's, it, there's, a, there's always those heartstrings, you know, the feelings, the, you know, uh, emotions are always very present. But then I think uh, this time around, I feel like they're also trying to bring in a, a degree of cultural intelligence um, that you just, you know, you don't see, particularly in an animated film. But uh, when you talk about the kind of spaces they go into whether it's a jazz club in New York City, uh, barbershop, et cetera. There's an aspect of, uh, of cultural intelligence as well that they're bringing to, to fore as well. Um, what, did, what stands out to you about the film in terms of some big things that you liked about it and, and uh, thought were working on all cylinders?
1: Uh, I really thought that it was cool seeing the ways that they tried to humanize uh, everyday life from different parts of, of, of America, particularly in Black America, of course. Uh, one of my favorite scenes in that movie was um, in regards to going to the barbershop and seeing, uh, I forget the name of the other character who essentially took over his body. 22. Um, yes, thank you, 22.
0: Yes, sir. I love it's-
1: how she was fascinated with the roles um, that barbers played. Um, in which And in she was able to through that conversation helped you know, um, the main character realize that there was so much wonder and beauty and simple jobs that he may have thought weren't that important. And I grew up in the barbershops my entire life. And so, um, you know, it hit home seeing that scene uh, because I've seen people say, well, you don't really, really you wanna make sure you get a real job you graduate from high school. And there are many people who are cutting hair and doing amazing with it and making money to be clear (laughs) so to say oh this is a a, a, to say it's not an important job isn't really giving weight to the role and this movie i think helped to show the different things in black america that are worth celebrating um i also love seeing the ways that he uh when 22 had control over his body i love seeing the ways that 22 showed him how his work as a jazz teacher as a music as a music teacher really um, was critical and that uh, he was willing to overlook all of that to get a big gig to realizing how much life he's spoken to his students I thought that was really beautiful
0: it's it's so well said it's interesting because you're you're in a sense countering what a lot of people don't like about the film Um, you know it's which is what we talked last time about how Princess and the Frog has an, an, a unique issue uh, when it comes to African American representation, where most of the film she's a frog uh, in the movie, and so you're not really appreciating her as a as a black princess. Um, and this is a common problem in a number of you know Spies in Disguise, uh, you know, which is a Blue Sky Studios movie released by Disney. Another uh, issue where I think Will Smith's character is a is a pigeon or something the most of the film, um, you know, so. Uh, this is one where people have criticized that and said, well, you know, uh, you know, Joe Gardner is not in his body for, you know, maybe, well, essentially maybe a, a third of the film, he's in his body. A third of the film, he's in the soul world where everybody's kind of disembodied. And then for a third of the movie, he's in a cat and 22 has switched bodies with him. Um, but, you know, you're, you're bringing forward the fact that you know, uh, the context of her learning from his experience and even drawing forward the value and the beauty of it, it could in a sense only happen if, if there was this body switching. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, I want to counter something real quickly because I think that um, for the storyline, it works. Um, and that, you know, essentially like trading spaces, you know, basically within training trading spaces, um, they were both able to help to see the beauty of what each other brought, um, what they both had and to encourage that. And I love that particular um, storyline um, dynamic. That being said, um, uh, I'm not a fan, <laughs> as you know, I'm not a fan of this common practice with black uh, fit characters in animated films only being present in the, as their full cells for five, 10 minutes. And I do support that critique that says, um, we can talk about African-Americans in fairy tale, uh, in storytelling, um, in powerful ways, but also traditional ways. Because as much as I love soul, um, the thing that I guess still irks me a little bit is that how can I say this? Let me put it like this. The thing that irks me a little bit is that If anything gets discussed with African-American culture or black culture, there's an assumption that we can't discuss it with them being, number one, humans (laughs) for the majority of the film. And number two, um, we can't discuss it um, in a way where uh, you can see, you know, epic world building there are so many parts of African history and I stand by this and I have a conversation I have with people. There's so much with African folklore, African fairy tales alone, from which African American culture comes from. You know, there's so much with the African American folklore, you know, where we can tell stories with people being human and it still be magical without them having to be um, disembodied. And I think there's a resistance in this and to talk about that. There's a strong resistance to talk about it. We still have Rapunzel with Tangled. We still have um, Elsa with the, with the Snow with the Ice Princess. I'm still waiting for the day where we can have a story that highlights the beauty of African American heritage, not just in the modern sense, but in a ancient sense. That'll be nice. Soul deals more so with, uh, for some, technically somewhat modern times, with jazz culture, and I really think jazz is amazing. Um, but growing up with it. I also know that I love jazz music, but I want to see myself in some of these. I want to see people who like me in these fairy tales. Jazz, yeah, that's a yes. practical one.
0: So it you does. might be familiar with this project that's coming up here called uh, uh, Iwaju, uh, that is where Disney is, you know, uh, partnering with this Nigerian, uh, you know, animation firm. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, and, and yeah. you, <laughs> you're, you're familiar with this.
1: No, actually, I'm not. Oh, okay. No, so this is so case... good news. I'm like, thank yeah. you. Here we go. Here yeah. we go. We just had the last dragon. Ray I, my point. I was like, okay, we went from okay, thank God for soul, but oh wait, we have a drag we have a terrible in I think Southeast Asian culture with Ray of the Last Dragon. Or that's that's the movie right. Ray of the Yeah, Ryan, yeah, Ryan the Last Dragon. You got thank it. Thank you, Ryan the Last Dragon. I was like, Give me something in the African culture real quick and we can come back to Seoul to bounce it out. So with Nigerian fairy tale Yes,
0: it's coming. It's coming, I think, in the next couple of years here, but they basically uh, it's a it's a it's a really interesting story where, uh, you know, these young kids, teenagers, I think, out of uh, Nigeria said, oh, we're going to you know, we're we're creating this comic book that is going to kick Disney's ass. I mean, that's literally how they and and it came out this way as a story on the BBC and other places. And so, uh, the, but the Disney, Walt Disney feature animation out of California, actually reached out to them and were like, hey, we wanna work with you guys. And so <laughs> there is a, it was announced in December at the big investors thing when they announced literally, you know, something like 50 different series that are coming. So it's, 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 it was in the mix of those things, yeah. but they're partnering with this guys. There are gonna be a show called uh, Iwaju that'll be a long form series steeped in science fiction, apparently. But very uh, much rooted in African folklore and tradition. tradition. so uh, should be right yeah. up your alley, I think. And uh, and there's also, by the way, a Tiana series coming um, that is going to you know be further up on on the Princess and the Frog, and I'm sure respond to uh, that criticism that is there about you know uh, issues of representation in that. So
1: the, uh, you know, the thing with Soul that was interesting, I was I love the concept. I I, I again, story to good storytelling, is good storytelling. So I love the concept of him learning how beautiful his work was and um, being reminded of how powerful jazz was. I loved him talking about the history of jazz and the way that it spoke, not just to him, but to African-Americans historically. In many ways, it felt like it kind of built up on some of the stuff that Person the Frog tried to touch on a little bit um, when it came to speaking about, um, uh, cult, not culture in the bayou, speaking about uh, New Orleans culture, you know. But the thing that was interesting with Soul with a Soul was kind of sci-fi in some ways when it came to what they were talking about the afterlife some stuff I was like this is okay they're going into some theological territories right now <laughs> and this is interesting how they're describing it I think it's cool maybe if they had just presented his body and his spirit in a in his human form like show his full human body but it would like maybe change the color it'll be like cool cool it it would fit a little more but I thought it was still brilliant storytelling honestly
0: it's. I think there's a lot more going on in it than people than meets the eye. I mean, you and I, yeah. I think, have similar views as it comes to religion, etc., and spirituality issues. But um, I think, um, you know, I actually listened to an interview with uh, Pete Doctor where he talked to some of the religious press about this film, and it was fascinating um, what he had to say. Because he said, you know, we're really trying to give people a crash course in philosophy with this movie, and you're like, wow, what, what is this? And he says we start with essentialism the idea that I was born to do this. And he says that's straight out of Aristotle or Plato. Um, he's like, and then we counter that with the character of 22. And, and she just has this nihilism, you know, the whole, everything is meaningless. There's nothing that matters. You know, that's, that's her whole mentality. And so you see these two worldviews of, you know, uh, essentialism versus the nihilism playing out between those two initially. And then really they land on kind of what, the, what you might call this hopeful existentialism, you know, uh, uh, that all of life is spiritual. Everything yeah. you do contributes to who you are as a person and the overall meaning of your life. So um, I think people who want to criticize it on a theological standpoint, and there are people who do, who've done that and say, oh, this goes off into territory that's not great, you know, I, 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 I don't- talk, There's a lot of good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't look to Pixar to, you know, for my theology. So don't, don't do that for an animated film. I mean, definitely, it, it, I think he's, uh, you know, Pete Doctor who is, I know he's very open about his Christian faith. But he also is not trying to, um, I don't think in any way, evangelize or, you know, reflect that in this. But it, it is simply an open door to talk about some of these issues right. of afterlife and eternity and, you know, what might happen after death, et cetera. And he, he also consulted, of course, with Jewish, um, you know, scholars with, I know, uh, Islamic as well. Um, sure. You know, and new, you can see certainly some of the, you know, New Age type ideas as well in there uh, from some of the different, uh, you know, uh, you know, shaman type character that was there. So, you know, I, I, I think uh, don't, I, I think that's why partly maybe I don't see this as a film for kids, you know, unless you're going to have a lot of conversations with them because these are a lot of big ideas that hopefully you as a parent, you as, you know, uh, someone would want to have a conversation with. And he, he, I mean, Pete Doctor is very clear about that from the beginning, like, hey, this is about starting conversation with people and, uh, you know, you guys all kind of having, that uh, as you want to, but I, I yeah. see it essentially still as a buddy comedy, you know? I mean, we think about that's what Pixar is known for is whether it's, you know, Mike and Sully, uh, you know, Marlon and, you know, Dory, uh, you know, it, it, Woody and Buzz, those are, that's what we know Pixar for. And I think this is just simply Joe and 22 on their own kind of buddy comedy journey. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very different and it's, it's bold and creative. And I think particularly yeah. the music, is wild in that they've got that futuristic kind of stuff going on in the soul world. And then they've yep. got really amazing, you know, jazz that is, you know, this kind of all infusion of so many different eras of jazz in a sense that you have from John Batiste um, really leading uh, when you come into New York city, uh, what it sounds like there. So, um, you know, there on so many levels, lo- lots of love about soul. I hope it does great at the Oscars here coming up in uh, a couple of weeks and uh, you know I do hope uh, people continue to check it out who haven't and maybe folks who've you know I, I don't know I, I don't know why there's so much I feel like debate about this film or like you know oh I just think this is the work. you know it's like this is the first Pixar film with a black protagonist I mean I think there's a lot to appreciate about it and I, I think if you know you're dismissing it out of hand I, I would just maybe give it a second look um, would you have thoughts on that?
1: No, I agree 100%. I think that there are so many good things that have gone on for that film. Um, I think that that's why uh, it's definitely worth, I would say, check it out, you know, because it definitely gets a lot of conversation. And I would say, um, why I don't recommend it uh, for kids just to watch um, by themselves, I would actually say, I think it's important for people to start having these conversations with their children, because the children today are being impacted by these things in the school systems. And, you know, whether we like it or not, um, when you're old enough to ask a question, you're old enough to get an answer. I think that you know the earlier we have these conversations about what do you believe the afterlife is like, what do you believe you're here for? What are the um, I, I want to What are the answers to the five basic questions? As other you know um, theologians have said, you know, who made us? Why were we made? You know, um, uh, where did we come from? Uh, wow, well, I only know three. <laughs> It's five, it's the five questions like, you know, what are you here for? What do you, you know, who, you know, you know, you know what are you made for, uh, I'm not gonna butcher it.
0: That's all right, um, you're fine, you're fine.
1: But basically the que- answers to life's basic questions of who made us and why are we here? You know, where do we come from? You know, um, who determines what's right and what's wrong? You know, these things, uh, these conversations can't be put off until you're a teenager. And I like what places like Plugged In do, um, where they do reviews on movies, but they encourage people to sit down with their kids and to talk these concepts through. If you talk about Prison and the Frog, you're already being exposed to a religious worldview by default, even if there's a magical sense of what's going on. You're talking about voodoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Straight up. Um, and it was very in, in my face when I saw the film, I was like, this is a lot. <laughs> um, talking to your friends on the other side <laughs> for a Disney movie, this is a lot but I was glad that they had African-Americans that said, well, here's what happened culturally historically. And I think with this movie, um, since there were kids showcased in the movie, uh, especially in the barbershops and working in the school system, it'd be important to, at least for those who, uh, claim Christ, it'd be important for people to sit down and talk through, you know, why this movie speaks to people so deeply when it comes to, um, Those those questions of existence and knowing why we're here, you know, because these things impact all of us. Yeah, we didn't. I know. I didn't. I know. As a child, I didn't ask these questions. Till I was a teenager, I started asking this question at six years old.
0: Hmm. So true. What
1: design for is? Is only one path to take in life, (laughs) right? Or keep coming back to the same path, like the movie talked about. Yeah. Well, I do think there's sometimes a
0: caginess about talking about uh, religion in the public square and and among. Friends, But I think if we can have a civil conversation and realize that there are people who have different views and, and uh, different ways of seeing things, it's, it's still fine. We can learn from each other. We can sharpen each other. So, but, uh, hey, Gabriel, I really appreciate the conversation. I think this has been tremendous. Um, really appreciate your expertise. And I know we'll be, uh, like I say, watching, hoping this one does well, but also continuing to watch uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm sure now folks can find you um, on the, the Disney plus group right elsewhere as well. Is there a place to find you in terms of uh, other social or Twitter? or?
1: Uh, look for me on Instagram. G Graves. Uh, what's my Instagram like? G Graves one zero three. Um, and uh, also on Facebook, of course, you know, uh, Gabriel Adam, if don't want to keep up with the work I do community of reconciled community of reconcilers. is another space. If you want to find out about the work I do reconciliation, um, uh, we talk a lot about these conversations as well, including how storytelling is a means of reconciliation and how the stories we tell do have social impacts, whether we like them or not. Um, just to put this out there, people of African descent have had very deep spiritual views about this life and the life after. I know for me, I you know, in American studies, we talk about this often when it comes to the social impact of your religious views that no one can escape. We all have a worldview. And our worldview impacts how we see things. Um, And so for me, you know, and my faith, uh, my faith in God being serious, I appreciate, you know, these conversations and watching movies that allow me to have civil conversations about why we're here. And even if someone disagrees, it's important to be able to have these conversations about how our views do impact, you know, the way we treat one another in everyday life in daily situations, but that's way more than what you ask for. Go to G graves one zero one zero three on Instagram or community reconcilers online. Facebook. you'll find me.
0: So good. Well, thank you, Gabriel. Uh, this has been a great conversation. And I've been uh, Josh with what's on Disney plus. You can find us on what's on Disney com. And uh, I know Roger and the team, of course, will be back here in a future episode of the podcast. So y'all have a great one. I will be in touch.